It is a beautiful day to apply some logic and confess the truth. I'm Megan Steele, and this is Confessions of a School Nurse. Welcome to episode number 13. I'm so glad to have you join me today. It's lucky number 13, right? It's kind of like in the hospital, we don't like to use the Q word, you know, the quiet word. Um, or the full moon, right? We always know when that's going on as nurses and teachers know that as well too. So welcome. Today is the last of three episodes that we're gonna talk about the Nuremberg Code and making Nuremberg great again. Um, that Nuremberg Code, just kind of a brief reminder, it served as that foundation for ethical clinical research as well as ethics in the medical field overall uh, since it was published over 60 years ago. Uh, this document was landmark in its time. It was developed in response to the horrors of human experimentation done by Nazi doctors, Nazi nurses, and just Nazi soldiers. Uh, this document focused crucial attention to the fundamental rights of research participants and on the responsibility of investigators and those associated with the research. This code contains 10 principles that I believe every person involved in healthcare as well as education must know. Now I know, I know there's critics out there, shocker, but there are. Uh, they're gonna try to tell you that the Nuremberg Code relates to research only and not to medical practice. And people that say this, they just simply don't understand research and quite frankly, they don't understand healthcare. Because how do you get that medication? You know, whenever you hear a commercial on TV and it says, do not take this if you are allergic to blah, 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 or you may experience diarrhea, not burn, you know, all of those funny, crazy things that we don't even know that they're saying. They got that from research. That's how they got that information. It's not like they just magically dreamt it up and gave you a list of 20 side effects of this medication. But how do we get the new standards of care? How do we get new treatments? How do we get new surgical techniques? How do we implement new nursing interventions? How do we get anything new in the medical field? It's research. It's research. Evidence based research. And did I just give you nurses a brief anxiety attack by using the words evidence-based? <laughs> when I was writing this, I was like, oh, evidence-based, I don't like those words. It gave me total trauma from my nursing school days. But guess what? It's evidence-based. That's what research is. And so it's important that you know what should be and shouldn't be going on in research because it affects your daily practice. Also, nurses, do you know that anytime you document on a patient that the clicks you make in your chart for your patient, those are documented and that produces data. And then that data is analyzed and it's correlated and looked at to determine if what you are doing at the bedside is actually working or if it's not working. Yes, it's true. Welcome to risk management in the hospital. This is all research. Make sense? Okay. 
I know what you're thinking that there's there's some types of research that I don't see at the bedside and it goes through very specific stages and you are right on that medications, vaccines, all of this research is conducted usually on animals first, and then it moves to the human trials. The COVID vaccine, right? This did not go through the proper clinical research yet. It didn't. You can say all that you want to, you can bring up whatever you want, but the truth is, is it did not go through proper clinical steps that other vaccines in the past have had. So while you want to fit this little bitty vaccine into a box and say that the Nuremberg Code only pertains to research, that the COVID vax was approved and was not research, you are putting blinders on to what actual research in healthcare is. The Nuremberg Code was specifically created to protect patients and research participants. It was also created so that never again have humans tortured and slaughtered like animals. The Nuremberg Code helped to establish standards of safety, efficacy, evidence, prudence, compassion, due process, scientific debate, and dissenting opinions. Where is the data for all of this on the COVID vaccine? Please send me this information. I'll be glad to read it. And no, you cannot send me an article from the CDC. I am sorry, but the CDC has lost all reliability and validity for me. Send me something that was truly peer researched, peer reviewed, right? The, the research was peer reviewed and I will be glad to read it. But I can promise you, you're not gonna be able to find it. You're not gonna be able to find it because it wasn't done. If it was done, the COVID vaccine never would have been rolled out. It never would have been rolled out. I actually kind of feel like this information is there. It's just been hidden. And now that people are finding it, we're being looked at like we're conspiracy theorists. Anyways, another argument that I frequently get when I tell people that the Nuremberg Code needs to be made great again is that it involves just a researcher. Well, first of all, a researcher is not just a researcher because they have their research team that is helping them. And so, yes, while the Nuremberg Code does apply to the researcher, it also applies to the actual research being conducted. According to our handy dandy dictionary, I know you're so excited for me to pull this sucker out again, but here it is. Research, the definition of research, careful or diligent search, studious inquiry or examination, investigation or experimentation aimed at the discovery and interpretation of facts, revision of accepted theories or laws in the light of new facts or practical application of such new or revised theories or laws. I love this specific definition of revision of accepted theories or laws in the light of new facts. I do believe we've had a lot of new facts uncovered and that we should be looking at the COVID vaccine and pulling it from the market. It is not safe for anybody. Um, but 
research does not just involve the principal investigator. It involves the coordinators, the institutions, the facilities, the research assistants, the nurses, the doctors, the aides, the secretary, essentially anyone that is involved in the actual research or the carrying out of said research. So this argument is essentially null and void, but it does bring up an interesting point. Nurses, when you are tasked with carrying out research, do you know everything about it? Do you know the potential risks? Do you know the potential benefits? Do you know what happened in the animal trials? Are you given all the information you need to have to protect your patients? Or are you just following doctor's orders? If you are partaking in research, you must know everything there is to know about it. This protects your patients and it protects you. All right, moving on, I'm gonna read the 10 Nuremberg codes, okay, the 10 principles, and then I am going to correlate those with the ANA code of ethics to show you that it's not just pertaining to research, it's actually right here in our ANA code of ethics that every nurse subscribes to be like. The first one of the Nuremberg code, the voluntary consent of the human subject is absolutely essential. This correlates directly with 1.4, which is patients have the moral and legal right to determine what will be done with and to their own person to be given accurate, complete, and understandable information in a manner that facilitates an informed decision and to be assisted with weighing the benefits, burdens, and available options in their treatment, including the choice of no treatment. Hmm. All right, Nuremberg Code principle number two. The experiment should be such as to yield fruitful results for the good of society, unprocurable by other methods or means of study, and not random and unnecessary in nature. And this goes directly with 3.2, which is protection of human participants in research. And it specifically states that nurses have a duty to question and if necessary to report to appropriate oversight bodies any researcher who violates participants' rights or is involved in research that is ethically questionable, as well as to advocate for participants who wish to decline to participate or to withdraw from a study before completion. So, nurses, if the research going on is not producing fruitful results, you are bound by the ANA Code of Ethics to report that and to stop that. Example, COVID vaccine. Example, COVID treatments in the hospital. You know as well as I do what was happening to those patients. And you have an obligation to report all of that. Nuremberg Code number three. The experiment should be so designed and based on the results of animal experimentation and a knowledge of the natural history of the disease or other problem under study that the anticipated results will justify the performance of the experiment. Did you hear that key thing there? 
animal experimentation. All right, this correlates directly with 7.1, um, which is contributions through research and scholarly inquiry. And it says nurses remain committed to patients and participants throughout the continuum of care and during their participation in research. Whether the nurse is the data collector, investigator, member of an institutional review board, or care provider, the patient's rights and autonomy must be honored and respected. Patients and participants' welfare may never be sacrificed for research ends. May never be sacrificed for research ends. Number four, the experiment should be so conducted as to avoid all unnecessary physical and mentally suffering and injury. That goes with the 7.1 that I just read, but it also goes with 1.1, um, which is... A fundamental principle that underlies all nursing practice is respect for the inherent dignity, worth, unique attributes, and human rights of all individuals. Number five, no experiment should be conducted where there is a priori reason to believe that death or disabling injury will occur, except perhaps and those experiments where the experimental physicians also serve as subjects. This does bring up an interesting um, concept, uh, this number five does. However, I want to let you know that priori, priori is um, a Latin word that literally means from what is earlier. So this is essentially meaning that prior knowledge um, comes from the power of reasoning that is based on self-evident truths, okay? So what you know to be true, okay? That's what this is saying. Um, the interesting concept here with this one is, did the researchers know everything that they should have known about the mRNA vaccines or not? Um, because if they did, then they wouldn't have done it on themselves or did they actually do it on themselves? Because, you know, if they're potentially going to be killing thousands of people, then did they do this to themselves as well? Just an interesting thought there. Um, but principle number five directly correlates with 3.2. And it says, um, stemming from the principle of respect for autonomy, respect for persons, and respect for self-determination, individuals have the right to choose whether or not to participate in research as a human subject. Participants or legal surrogates must receive sufficient and materially relevant information to make informed decisions and to understand that they have the right to decline, to participate, or to withdraw at any time without fear of adverse consequences or reprisal. How many people were coerced into those mRNA vaccines? We'll give you a $50 gift card to the store. We'll give you a $100 Target gift card to come. We will give your family food. We will do all of these things in a time of need. That's coercion. That is absolute coercion and unacceptable. Participants weren't given an opportunity 
to decline because if they declined, they were also refused other life-saving treatment. And that's not okay. Principle number six, the degree of risk to be taken should never exceed that determined by the humanitarian importance of the problem to be solved by the experiment. This correlates with 8.4, which states collaboration for human rights in complex, extreme, or extraordinary practice settings. Nurses must be mindful of competing moral claims, that is, conflicting values or obligations, and must bring attention to human right violations in all settings and contexts. So part of the reason of Confessions of a School Nurse is because I truly feel that students that are children that their human rights, that we have a violation against them. And that's part of the reason of Confessions of a School Nurse. 8.4 continues. Human rights may be jeopardized in extraordinary contexts related to fields of battle, pandemics, political turmoil, regional conflicts, environmental catastrophes, or disasters where nurses must necessarily practice in extreme settings under altered standards of care. Nurses must always stress human rights protection with particular attention to preserving the human rights of vulnerable groups, such as the poor, the homeless, the elderly, the mentally ill, prisoners, refugees, women, children, and socially stigmatized groups. Now, you might be thinking, Megan, this specifically pertains to countries overseas. We don't have this in our problem. Wrong. You are wrong. What about those border towns? all of those refugees coming over, you have a human rights issue. Those hospitals are overran, those schools are overran, those school nurses are overran, those school teachers are overran. You have an obligation to be standing. Political turmoil, regional conflicts, political turmoil, hello? Hello, we have the governor of California taking away parents' rights if they don't want to agree that their children are transgender or an animal or whatever else they are. That's political turmoil. This specifically applies to us as school nurses. Number seven, proper preparations should be made and adequate facilities provided to protect the experimental subject against even remote possibilities of injury, disability, or death. Now, this one goes right along with 4.4, which is nurses are accountable and responsible for the assignment or delegation of nursing activities. Like we know that, right? Like I'm not gonna delegate certain tasks as a school nurse to a secretary because they're not trained in that. Same as a CNA, um, or an L LPN or LVN in a hospital. Continuing on, nurses are responsible for monitoring the activities and evaluating the quality and outcomes of the care provided by other healthcare workers to whom they have assigned or delegated tasks. Nurses may not delegate responsibilities such as assessment and evaluation. They may delegate selected interventions according to state nurse practice acts. Now, this is what's interesting about this one. Outcomes of the care provided by other healthcare workers, right? So what are the doctors doing? What are these research 
doctors doing and are we standing for our patients or are we following in order? That is a fine line, but it has not been held at all. Number eight, the experiment should be conducted only by scientifically qualified persons. The highest degree of skill and care should be required through all stages of the experiment of those who conduct or engage in the experiment. And this is number 4.3. Nurses are responsible for assessing their own competence. When the needs of the patient are beyond the qualifications or competencies of the nurse, that nurse must seek consultation and collaboration from qualified nurses, other health professions, or other appropriate resources. Now, I find that that statement to be very clear, very logically applied. However, um, ego gets in the way here. Ego gets in the way of you're conducting a multi-million dollar study for a pharmaceutical company with amazing benefits, and I'm going to be set for life, and so are my children. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, nurses, you have the right to say no, that you are not going to participate in this. You have the right to do so. You order yourself one of these books and you put it in your book bag and you take it with you every single day that you go to work and you highlight it. My friends, I've got highlights all over this book, all over this book. It's crucial that you know this. This is your fighting power. Yes, the Bible. The Bible's your number one fighting power, but this is, this is number two. Use this. Now, there's also things in here that I completely disagree with, but, you know, as I've mentioned on other podcasts, you got to use the resources you got, my friends, so we'll use it. All right, number nine, um, during, so this is uh, principle number nine, during the course of the experiment, the human subject shall be at liberty to bring the experiment to an end. If he has reached the physical or mental state where continuation of the experiment seemed to him to be impossible. And this goes directly with um, this entire book, obviously, but 1.3, nurses are leaders who actively participate in assuring the responsible and appropriate use of interventions. Appropriate use of interventions in order to optimize the health and well-being of those in their care. This includes acting to minimize unwarranted, unwanted, or unnecessary medical treatment and patient suffering. Such treatment must be avoided. Principle number 10. During the course of the experiment, the scientist in charge must be prepared to terminate the experiment at any stage if he has probable cause or she has probable cause to believe. In the exercise of the good faith, superior skill, and careful judgment required of him or her, that a continuation of the experiment is likely to result in injury, disability, or death to the experimental subject. I'm going to correlate this with two, um, obviously the entire book of Code of Ethics, but number 5.4, which is preservation of integrity. 
When nurses are placed in circumstances that exceed moral limits or that violate moral standards in any nursing practice setting, they must express to the appropriate authority their conscientious objection to participating in these situations. When a particular decision or action is morally objectionable to the nurse, whether intrinsically so or because it may jeopardize a specific patient, family, community, or population, or when it may jeopardize nursing practice, the nurse is justified in refusing to participate on moral grounds. And ladies and gentlemen, that is found on page 21 of the ANA Code of Ethics. The nurse is justified in refusing to participate on moral grounds. The last one that I will relate it to is 6.1, the environment and moral virtue. Virtues are universal, learned, and habituated attributes of moral character that predispose persons to meet their moral obligations, that is, to do what is right. Certain particular attributes of moral character might not be expected of everyone, but are expected of nurses. These include knowledge, skill, wisdom, patience, compassion, honesty, altruism, and courage. Virtues are necessary for the affirmation and promotion of the values of human dignity, well-being, respect, health, independence, and other ends that nursing seeks. As you can see, the ANA Code of Ethics directly correlates to the Nuremberg Code. We also know that the ANA Code of Ethics was thrown out the window on numerous occasions during the 2020 pandemic. It is time to make Nuremberg great again, but honestly, it's time to make the Code of Ethics for Nurses great again. And that is my challenge for you this week. Read the Code of Ethics. There is a link to it on my website. So when you're going to the bathroom, stop scrolling through social media, head on over to confessionsofaschoolnurse.com. That's confessionsofaschoolnurse.com. Pull up the ANA Code of Ethics. I've linked it there and read it. Read, read the Code of Ethics. Um, I'm pretty certain that you reviewed this in nursing school, but it was probably covered really, really quickly in your very last course, and you are more concerned about taking NCLEX than learning about ethics. So you need to look at it, right? It will serve as a wonderful resource for you to go up against your administration, to get your administration on board, to knowing that people have rights, that your students have rights, that your teachers have rights, that the parents have rights. This is a fantastic tool. And teachers, Teachers, I encourage you to read it. Just think of it from an education standpoint and not that I'm administering a medication, but I'm administering a test. I'm administering a math test or an English lesson. All right. I promise you it is well worth your read. It doesn't take that long. It's pretty short. Um, but thank you so much for being here. Thank you for hanging in with me through our 13 episodes. Um, I just... Pray that each of you are strong, that you have that armor of God, that you need to fight this battle that we're going against. Next week, I'm going to return to some transgender stuff and pull out some new, new ways of um, perhaps fighting and standing for what is right by using the laws that are currently on the books. So 
Let's get truth and logic out to all of our teachers, all of our school nurses, and especially those administrators. If you have any thoughts, ideas, send me an email, megan at confessionsofaschoolnurse.com. That's megan, M-E-G-A-N, at confessionsofaschoolnurse.com. Until next time, my friends, confess to tell the truth. God bless.